This is the Passive Real Estate Strategies Podcast, where our goal is to educate you about the ways to create passive wealth through real estate methods that do not require your time. I'm your host, Justin Moy with President's Club Investors. Let's get right into the show. Hey, investors. Thanks for coming back to another episode of Passive Real Estate Strategies. Today, I'm sitting down with Randy Joe Peeper. Now, Randy has been a real estate investor, specifically passive, for the last oh, about five years or so. And before that, was on the active side, doing some home flips. And I was really excited to have her on here to share her knowledge about that transition from being really some of the most active you can be in home flipping into some of the most passive you can be with some of these syndications and funds that, that they're getting into now. So Randy, Joe, we are so excited to have you here on the show. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Hey, so tell us, you know, you and your husband, you you two invest together, um, which is a, a great thing to have. It's tough when those synergies are not matched up or one person loves real estate, the other thinks, oh, it's not quite what we want. So that's already off to a great start. Um, what made you two decide to look into real estate very, very seriously? Um, and when did you know, okay, we should start digging into this a little bit more? Well, it started about uh, 2017 or so. We were looking at some alternatives because we we're getting closer to retirement and what we could do. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty much we were bored one day and <laughs> there was a like a real estate seminar type of thing here offered in Denver. And we thought, well, we'll just go try it. It's free. Let's go check it out. Mm -hmm. And so we did, went and checked it out and it led to another thing. Another thing is like, okay, we learned how that's how when we got into fix and flip. Okay. And so that's how it kind of started. And then after that, we did our fix and flip. Um, and it was fun. It was a learning experience. How to, you know, general contractors and yeah. then COVID hit and then all this stuff, you know, and then the contractor got sick and the person that we were invested in, he was retired. So he went down and we had it. The house was in Texas. Mm -hmm. And so he went down there and was able to fix it up. Thank goodness. He was a handyman himself. He was, he knew what needed to be done. So he went down there and found some general contractors to finish the mm -hmm. deal. And so that's kind of how it started that part. Um, but then also while we were in the fix and flip realm, um, someone approached us in our group and said, Hey, have you heard of multifamily? It's like, didn't know what that was at all. Yeah. And then Adam Adams had a meetup here in, um, uh, he had some kind of three-day workshop that we were invited to go to in Denver. And so that's when it all started is we were approached by this one wonderful woman named Erica Neal. Mm. She's out of Texas. And she said, what do you guys do? I said, well, we're doing fix and flip. She goes, are you passive? Are you inactive? What do you do? And I said, I don't know. What are you talking about? So we'd never heard about it, but she took us under her wing and introduced us to the multifamily. And she's been really good mentor um, yeah. on that part. So that's kind of how we all started is like, okay, we were bored one day, I guess you could say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so interesting because then all of a sudden it, it's almost like who you hang out with, right? They shape your idea of what's possible. So now that you're in this room with all these people, they're flipping, they're multifamily, they're owning all these other things, big strip malls, big retail centers you almost start to realize, okay, yeah, I can totally own these things or invest in these things and have access to all these different opportunities. So it's really great that you just kind of change that circle up and you found people who are really willing to, to push you to what you would eventually find to be an ideal investing route. So you were doing the flips um, and you eventually move into the passive side of multi. Were you passive or are you active? Do you do a little bit of both? What, what's your goal? Right now we are, our goal 
Well, I kind of wanted to do the active side, but working a W2 job, it was just, it was too much. I work a pretty stressful job and it's like coming home and doing that. It's doable, but I just wasn't putting my all into it. So definitely the passive part of it right now Mm -hmm. um, and really enjoying that piece. So I don't have to worry about the tenants, termites, whatever they say, you know? Yeah. And so hundred percent passive now, now how many deals have you invested in to this point? Um, I believe we're in seven and working on eight right now. Okay. Yeah. So that's a quick pace. That's more mm-hmm. than you know, a couple of year that you're really going on. Uh, so I, I love that. So when are you all multifamily? Or are you diversifying a little bit for asset classes or what's the portfolio look like? We are diversified. So okay. we have some multifamily triple net lease. Um, we have a rehab facility that we're invested in, which is triple net lease. Mm-hmm. Um, and also some land in California and, um, we, yeah, just a little bit of everything. I can't, um, oil and gas too, is our newest thing too. So we got into that as well. So very excited about that piece. Okay. Yeah. So how are those working in your portfolio? So, you know, they're, they're pretty different strategies, right? The triple net versus some of the multifamily versus raw land. Um, they all have different places in people's portfolios. So what made you kind of pick each asset class, um, and how is it performing for you so far? Well, first is getting to know the people that are offering it to you, get to know and trust and like them too, is kind of like, okay. And what they've done in the past is kind of how we started on that. Um, But I've always been told not to put all your eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how I like the diversified of the real estate. There's so much more, you know, there's also RV stuff. Yeah. And then also storage units. So that's something else we're looking into too. But it's like, I just, I guess in my, always growing up, I wanted a taste of everything yeah. and it just try something different. And it's been going fairly well. There's some that are on hold because they're newly development too. We have one too, that we're doing a new development um, on short-term rentals too in yeah. North Carolina. So that's kind of on hold for a year, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like, okay, this money was just sitting there in a in the bank per yeah. se, like investing in like stock. And it's like, oh, if it's the stocks going up and down, if we can, we're able to take that money and roll it over into the solo 401, that's kind of gave us more leverage as well. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, kind of like that is, I guess it just pretty much, that's how we started too. Cause my husband ended up retiring early, which is great. So we had his portfolio from work and we're able to invest as well. So, so that's how you invest mostly is through retirement accounts and Mm self-directed IRAs and retirement accounts like that. Is that where all your investments come from? We first started when we still were working. We, um, we were blessed to have our house paid off. And so we were, yes. So we got the HELOC loan and it was January of 2020, right before COVID hit, we were able to get 80% 80% of our equity out of our home. And that's how we were able to do our first investment. Okay. In and now you're company. actually tapping into another strategy to, to essentially pull cash. You don't have to have cash on hand is what I'm, I'm getting at. You know, a lot of people think that or they think, okay, well, let me start saving up now. You know, maybe by the end of the year, I can invest in one of these. Well, no, a lot of times the cash is already there. So tell me about the process of investing with your retirement accounts. Cause it was that a very tough process. Was it pretty quick and easy? Is it once you do it the first time it, it gets you know very easy afterwards or what was that like? The first time was really writing that first check. 
Yeah. It was scary as heck. It's like, oh my gosh. And our first one, it was 25,000, but still that's, you know, now you look at it, it's like, hmm, that's kind of not much because the more we were investing more, I think that just that first leap of getting in that investment was so scary. It's like, okay, it's like buying your first car as a teenager, you know, that big lump sum you're signing a life away on top yeah. of. But I, and once I got, once we started and saw the um, monthly cash flow, mm-hmm. it, it got a lot easier and it's like, this is for our future. And yeah. so it's gotten easier and I've enjoyed it more than just watching and nerve wracking about every day of the stock because yeah. our money was sitting in the stock and our age, we're getting older and we won't be able to get that money back, mm-hmm. you know, if it does take a plummet again. And so this way, at least we have more control. Yeah. And that was pretty common when people were set to essentially retire or let their foot off the gas when COVID hit rather than things tanked up by double digits. And that's an enormous loss. I mean, really decades mm-hmm. of saving up and investing and doing the right things was wiped out in, in really a relatively short amount of time for a lot of people. So glad you saw that diversity and were able to, to change things up. So when you're looking at deals to invest in passively, what are some of the most important aspects you're looking at? And then likewise, what are some of the most important like deal breakers for you? So what are the, you know, what are the red flags and what are the green flags mm-hmm. you're looking at when you're analyzing a lot of these deals? I think it really is getting to know the person that's offering it, the team that's offering it and their history. Um, if it's a brand new team, it's hard. I want to help them out. And I think just keeping the emotions out as much as I want to help them, um, I go a lot when you say the red flag is I, I'm a lot of gut instinct. That's mm-hmm. where I really in tune into is my gut. Yeah. And if it's something that doesn't feel right, and then I'll put it across my husband because my husband's really good at that as well. Of um, We'll sit down and watch the webinars or whatever it is and talk to the people, get on Zoom like we are and ask yeah. questions. And so it's between the two of us. We're a pretty good team. If one of us says no and the other one says yes, and then he tells me why he's saying yes. And then, you know, we'll say, okay, let's do it. You know, so it's kind of the team that way too. So, um, but getting back to your question, the red flag would be, it's a lot of how they've done in the past. Mm -hmm. And I know that with the interest rates and stuff too, it's hard to predict what, you know, the future is going to be. And the ones that we've really um, we've invested in is you're always taking that risk. Like for one instance, we've invested and we're doing fairly well, but then if there's a fire on the property, it's like, which we had, so we're not getting that quarterly distribution because we're holding off to get that section of the multifamily hmm. finished, which is good to know they're upfront in the communication upfront is good. And yeah. after we close too is good. That's a really good flag too, to know that, okay, they're, they're really working with us or having weekly meetings because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. There's a few that we've had lately, like one on, on a one we're working on investing right now is like we're having re- weekly updates on what's going on because I hope we don't have to have a capital call um, yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how can we help so we don't have to get to yeah. that? Yeah. And I think that's one one of the, the crazy parts about it is cash calls right now. I mean, they're common. 
much more common than they have been in years past. Um, so a lot of people now, even if they've been investing for a long, long time, they're saying, hey, now you know I have three or four that are asking for more money and we haven't, haven't done this before. And part of it is, you know, yes, not many people expected interest rates to rise this quickly uh, in this short period of time or this much in this short period of time. Uh, but then also speaks to, hey, what is the due diligence like on the asset? A lot of times when people are in these cash call scenarios, debt is the number one reason. Debt is typically the number one killer of a deal. It's the number one for seller. It's number one reason for capital calls. So were you conservative enough on the debt to be able to absorb different losses or different different scenarios? So very common what you're seeing now, but it sounds like they're communicating a lot, like really over doing their best to over communicate, which is good. A lot of the negative feedback, the most negative feedback on forms and, and everything is Hey, yeah, we got a capital call and it's not really clear what it's for. It's not very clear where the money's going or how much is needed or why it's needed. Um, and so what are they doing in those instances to adjust to things it is really important. Um, you had mentioned, you know, you get your gut feeling and part of it is seeing their webinars or maybe seeing them speak. And then afterwards, you'll hang back, ask some questions. What are some questions that you ask when you're looking at a new deal that kind of help you guide that gut feeling of yours? I think it is asking them um, how many deals ha have they done in the past? Mm -hmm. Definitely on that part. And then it's like, what is my return going to be um, right now? You can do the underwriting and say, okay, either right now it's like six or 7%. And like two years ago, we're so used to like 10, 12%. Yeah. And now the underwriting is all that, you know, with the interest rates. So and then also, how long do they need to hold my money? I yeah. ask as well. And if they're going to refinance anytime soon. Mm -hmm. um, and I think my husband and I were spoiled like the infinity ones. So yeah. when you refinance, we have one of those that we're doing. We have, a, I think there's two or three that were invested that way. So it's like, okay, if it's infinity and if it's over 10%, um, and they only have to hold my money for three to five years, then I'm more apt to say, sure, let's yeah. invest. Is that the deals that you're looking for those, you know, some type of event within the three to five year mark and then a long-term hold, or are you investing in a lot of, Hey, sales coming at the end of this, this, you know, three to five year period. I really like if there's going to be a long-term hold after they refinance, mm -hmm. that's okay. the thing that I really like. And we are also doing, um, what the other, just like the oil and gas too, which is like mm -hmm. two to three year old and yeah. looking into that. I, I think as I age and I get older, it's like, I would like just not to have as much tied up yeah, um, and be able to get the next deal going mm -hmm. into something else too. Yeah. So we're kind of looking in that way. Yeah. So velocity of money is, is mm -hmm. what you're looking for in a lot of your deals. So returning money quickly. If you want to replace your income with passive income, then head to the show notes and download our free Retire Within 10 bundle. Now, this includes tons of resources that will help you strategize replacing your income with passive income. This is by far the most valuable download I've seen in our industry, and it's something we are super proud of. Head to the show notes and download that now. Um, what are you seeing for, cause you, you hit it on the head, you know, Hey, last year or two years ago, you may be seeing double digit returns pretty quickly. Um, now you're maybe not mid single digits. Maybe you'll get up into the high single digits. What, how has your criteria changed for deals 
Um, I assume since you're looking for long-term holds, you're looking for some type of cash on cash return, or are you looking for amount return to refinance? Like what are the standards you look at to determine, Hey, these from a metrics perspective fits into my buy box. Definitely is the three to five years or even two to three. It all, you know, it all depends on what the deal is. And if it's going to be like a 10% return, then definitely, I don't mind holding my money longer. Yeah. That's fine. But if it's only like five or 6%, cause what I'm looking at is too, cause with the HELOC, we mm-hmm. were able to lock our money in at a yeah. certain interest rate. And thank goodness I was able to lock that in. So that's yeah. the money we're using. So if it's not like, for instance, I think we got four, that. yeah, mm-hmm. 4.3% is what we're paying on that money right now. And mm-hmm. so if it's going to be like 5%, 6%, it's not really worth yeah. our effort. So trying to do it that way. So Okay. And so when you say return, are you talking about cash on cash return or does that return metric include, Hey, if you sell it in three years, there's an average annual return. You're purely looking at the cash on cash Cash on cash. Yes. Right now looking at cash on cash. And then also if we could do like even a two, two times your investment, that would be ideal. You know, someone's like 1.7 to two times your investment. And if it's going to be even 70, 30, so 70 LP um, in equity, is yeah. nice as well. Okay. So we're looking for, you know, as close to that 10% of cash on cash we can get or more. Are you seeing a lot of your deals getting that from day one? Or is there some type of value add period where they'll say, you know, hey, yeah, Randy, Joe, we're going to, we got to take the money. We got to rehab the property. So, you know, year one, maybe you'll get two, three, 4%, but mm-hmm. once we stabilize, okay, now you're really talking six, seven, eight, it'll, it'll continue growing. Um, what's the timeline of that cash on cash return look like? Usually that when I see those kind of things is usually the second or third year is you're going to get that, you know, 10%. The first one is maybe you might be getting five, 6% but at the end, but you're always, you know, what's nice is you're going to make it up in the end to that, the promising. So it's just, it's money that is sitting, that would be sitting there anyway. And I always Mm -hmm. say, if it's money that you need, you shouldn't be investing. So if it's your life savings, don't use that money. Yeah. Um, and you've gotten creative with where you get your money, right? HELOCs mm-hmm. or retirement accounts or money that you've kind of already invested in a way and you're just redeploying it in, into different assets and, and into different things. So when you invest with your retirement accounts, so I think you mentioned some 401ks and, and IRAs and some some older accounts, what was that process like? Like, I think a lot of people don't even understand that they can use that money to invest in real estate. So what was that process like to be able to have access to that cash to put it in some of these deals? How it started out was my husband retired in July of 2021. Yeah, Mm -hmm. 21. And his money from his retirement was able to roll over into our, with our financial advisor, which was all stock. Yeah. So that's when we took, oh my God, we lost, I think, was it... uh, a lot of money <laughs> um, in the stock. So like in 2022 yeah. and some husband says, I'm tired of losing. We're getting older. We need to do something. Mm-hmm. So what we did, we were able to take that money, close out all out of our, um, our investment financial advisor, took it away. He wasn't too happy with us. He goes, sure. you guys know what you're doing? I said, yeah, I think we do. You know, <laughs> this is going into real estate, you know, it's not the stock. And yeah. so it, you know, we left on good terms, but it's just like, he kind of was like, are you sure you want to do this? And yeah. so, but we did, what we did is then um, his took his IRAs 
enrolled into um, the solo 401k uh, through Schwab, Charles Schwab. We were able to do that. So we have an, um, a custodian, I guess I call them, that helped us yep. with that. So we went through my my solo 401k.com, whatever. So it took it. So what was the problem is our um, financial advisor, mm-hmm. hit the company we were through was not really working really well with Charles Schwab. Okay. So that's where it took all the time. It took a good, I want to say six weeks to get that rolled over. And we had all the paperwork we needed, but then we needed something else. And it's like, okay, we're doing all this. So um, we ended up going to finding a Charles Schwab in Denver. We had to go Mm -hmm. waste because there's only a couple here in the state. So we went there and they were so great for us to sit down and say, this is what you need for paperwork. Mm -hmm. So, but it did take some time, but now that we have checkbook control. So if it's something that we want to invest in, it can't be a brand new home for us. We know that. So it has to be into real estate, right? It can't be immediate family. My mom or dad, I can't invest a home for them. It Mm -hmm. has to be something that way. So, um, but we really enjoyed more leverage that way too, to have checkbook control. Yeah. And that custodian makes a big deal because um, mm-hmm. some are great and they'll really walk you through the process step by step because it can be kind of a lot to absorb, especially if, if you're just blasted with everything you need to do, right? You're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know where these papers are. I can't. So if to have a custodian that will really walk you through that step by step really makes the process a lot smoother and, and faster really. So you can take advantage of a lot of these deals, but you said it took some time and that's mm-hmm. more, about six weeks or so. So if, mm-hmm somebody's interested in doing that or leveraging these retirement accounts, it's tough to wait for a deal and say, oh, this looks like a really good deal. Let me start this process. Uh, you know, you're probably a couple months out. You might be able to get in or, or it might be too late. So, you know, start the process now. So you have those funds ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically you don't pay fees until the funds actually diverse or, or you pay out. So you're not even going to absorb fees for getting mm-hmm. kind of ahead of that game. So, um, but Randy, Joe, I mean, I really love everything that you've done so far. So tell us what's on the horizon for you now. Um, you, you'd mentioned as you age and getting closer to retirement age, your investing strategies have changed. Like what's in the future for you and your husband, whether it's portfolio wise, um, life wise, or any projects you're working on? Um, right now we are, um, I'm getting close. I have 18 months left. So when I retire, so this is what I'm kind of working on is working with women over 50 that are starting a new chapter in their life. They're getting close to retirement. They're empty nesters. And it's like they want to do something else with their retirement fund. So I want to educate them. Um, As for my husband and I, we have a nonprofit that we're working on. Um, It's called Perfectly Imperfect. Um, It's going to be more of a 55 plus as well. And it's working with people that are struggling. They're like in the donut hole for rents. Because okay. it's it's for my, it's in honor of my mom, memory of my mom. Um, at the end of her life, she was a nurse. My dad was a firefighter and a undercover sheriff. So all people of service. And I'm also worked for the state of Colorado as a probation officer, just family of service. Yeah. And so what I'm doing for honor of them is to start the this nonprofit so we can help people um, to have a place, a safe place to call home. Because at the end, my mom ended up in a hotel with my younger sister because of the economy in Montana um, in 2013-14 was all the oil boom. Yeah. So she was on a fixed income and her rents went up 
Mm-hmm. And they were in the middle of getting into a new apart- apartment. So she stayed in, they stayed in the hotel for about a month. Yeah. And the day she was to move into her new apartment, she passed away. Oh. So it's like, okay, I want to live on my mom's legacy. My mom and dad's legacy is being of service and helping people for safe housing. And yeah. so that's kind of what my husband and I are working on too. And along with just enjoying financial freedom because of service, you think, okay, I'm a firefighter. I'm a probation officer. I'm a teacher. This is where I'm going to stay. I'm just going to make this X amount of money for my pension, but people deserve more. And that's kind of where I want to educate people more of service that you can do this. Yeah. Even if you're still working, right. It's like, I didn't think, I thought I had to wait till I retired to have access to my retirement. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know I could use the HELOC out of my home. Yeah. And that's how, how it all started. And that just the ripple effect and how it's helping us in its edu- and just all the education I did along the way too. So that's kind of. Well, I, I love that. I love the mission. Anytime you have, you know, a mission like that, that's, that's driven by such a powerful force like that, you know, I'm very, very confident in success. So when people are interested in learning more about that, you know, how can they get a hold of you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Randy Joe Peeper on LinkedIn. And also, if you want to email me at randyjoepeeper at gmail, I'm more than happy to reach you. Listeners, we're going to put those links uh, and her, her email address in the show notes. While you're there, of course, if you haven't already, make sure you download our free ebook, The Definitive Guide to Passive Real Estate Strategies. Randy Joe, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you're looking to learn more about passive real estate investments, make sure you head to our show notes and download our free ebook, The Definitive Guide to Passive Real Estate Strategies, where we reveal the ins and outs of the truly passive ways to invest in real estate. We'll see you on the next episode.